people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. I'm Zach McCoy. It's your boy Trav. And we are your Oscar Grouches, and welcome back to the Oscars the Podcast New Thursday show. Thurasawa. Thurasawa. Where we are covering the oeuvre of one of the most influential directors worldwide of all time. Mm-hmm. Zach effects. McCoy. Zach McCoy, what are we watching on our first episode of Thurasawa? Our first episode, 1943, Akira Kurosawa's directorial debut about a jujitsu pupil and his journey to finding the humanity in the martial arts. It's called Sanshiro Shugata. Excellent. 1943. Good God. Yeah, just keep in mind, they are deeply embroiled in World War II at this point. Yeah. (laughs) The the Allied forces are inching closer to them day by day. That kind of blows my mind watching this film, thinking about that. Mm -hmm. And that's just crazy because I didn't think about it at all. And I Mm -hmm. wish I would have known that. Or put connect those dots, you know, because... You don't think about if somebody brings up a year, I don't really think like, oh, yeah, World War Two. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah, man, that is even crazier. Yeah. Yeah. These these this first few making movies. Yeah. These first few films are him making movies while, while war is happening in the Pacific, like island after island is being taken by the Allied forces. Yeah. Philippines, Guadalcanal. Iwo Jima, like it's a lot. Yeah, I um, no, I'll say right up front. I wish I'd taken some more time to read about the production of it. Wikipedia has some notes, but uh, not a whole lot about um the the real making of it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, you know, Japan's not big. <laughs> yeah, but uh, is this everybody's first time seeing Sanshiro Shigata? Oh yeah, it is. Thanks, mine too. So uh, first to Sawas. <laughs> we'll 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 workshop this. Um, before <laughs> yeah. before like we start saying our thoughts and stuff, um, I do got a question. Um, criterion wise, because I know they've done some criterions for Kurosawa, right? Mm-hmm. So so a, all right, a lot of his films have their own singular releases. You know, stuff like they Seven don't have Samurai. like the bundle pack where you know it's but six there, movies or the, I believe this was part of one of those. Okay, mm-hmm. now let like, me ask you this: Were is this really old? So there's not like a remaster of it, or yeah, I mean, depending I, on go on, Zach. Well, yeah, and then uh, I think there was a okay. Let's talk about here the 1952 re-release, which is on the 2009 Criterion DVD that that was uh there's a lot of this well we don't know how much how much of the film is missing uh, uh roughly 17 minutes of the film is missing that was okay. cut by censors yeah in this the film 40s right here mm-hmm. right so what we just watched is censored essentially yes yeah. because uh-huh. um you you don't want anything that can be construed improperly for the Japanese war council in your film at the time. So, oh, so Japan censored it. Japan yeah. censored uh, it. Okay. The war well, you council. Know mm-hmm. How sometimes when they ship off a movie, like from the States to overseas, certain countries have to take out certain things. Cause it doesn't 
align with their views china you know what i mean so like they'll Mm -hmm. they'll take out certain things so okay so japan censored it so there's no other version that's been released gotcha no no. and those 17 minutes just have never been found so they may have been destroyed Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah we don't know the content lost yeah lost on purpose yeah um there's a comment here that says one of the uh he went to the board of censors, which he likened to being on trial. The film passed on the basis of recommendations by Yazuhiro Ozu, who called it an important artistic achievement, despite other voices claiming it was too British American. So, mm-hmm. so I'll speak on that in a bit. All right. Yeah. Well, but uh, essentially what you're saying is there's no new criterions with full remasters. Of yeah. Any, and any of these Kurosawa films. Probably not. not I mean, not, they clean them up. But not not any. There's a lot. There's a lot of remastered Kurosawa stuff. Uh, yeah. But sometimes the best copies of films that you can get are just the best copies of films you can get. So something like this probably wasn't treated specifically well. Yeah. I mean, we uh, watched on Plex and it looked pretty good. I mean, for overall, a, yeah. Yeah. Trust me, we've watched worse on this podcast. You know. Yeah. I, <laughs> You know, but you could tell that's what I love about old film old film is that it can be remastered, whereas mm-hmm. a lot of the new digital stuff can't because yeah. I know that film can technically be up to like 20K. They just don't have those capabilities back then. So it's right. like, OK, we could keep remastering Jurassic Park for fucking the next 100 years. Whereas yeah. you can't do that with new films, like they are what they are. But it would be nice to get some of this older stuff from like the forties and fifties to get remastered, like they do with Jurassic Park and Titanic and mm-hmm. whatever else that they're remastering. Right. Yeah. I think we'll probably come across that on some of the films that may have you know singular releases, like maybe a. Yeah, and I think that's why a lot of those get singular releases because they're yeah, like especially post-war, mm-hmm. uh, starting in like the fifties, where films become starting to get a little more global. Yeah, um, so uh, so surviving prints can make their way over to the U.S. in those times, and are easier to to uh, conserve and be remastered. So something like this, again, I don't know, really know much about the Japanese film industry before the 50s, essentially. And I, I don't know how they're treating these prints as they're coming out of theaters because they could just mm. be throwing them in like a fucking closet for all I know. You know, it's it's like, <laughs> so, you know, so many of the Doctor Who orig- original episodes are just gone to time because the BBC was just like, yeah, we can tape over it. It's fine. <laughs> Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. You know, it's people are just callous sometimes. They don't. They don't understand in the moment that what mm-hmm. they're doing has is going to have the cultural impact it will have right. later on. For sure. Yeah. Like this is just this is just Akira. Uh, Akira's been making movies for us for a while, so we're gonna let we're gonna let this plucky young guy direct this one movie and zoom. Yep. And, and they're like, all right, well, your movie made so enough money, we're gonna throw it in the closet now. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, like you mentioned, he he'd been working like as a second unit director on a handful of films, and 
Yeah, so uh, he'd been second unit. He had written a couple of things, or assistant director uh, for a lot of stuff. Uh, and then he wrote a, a few films. And he heard about this book. Okay. Saying Shiro Shigata. And before it was even released, he was trying to option the rights to it. Mm-hmm. Mm. And they, the Toho was not trying to hear it, not trying to hear it. And as soon as he found a copy on, they're like, Hey, you need to wait until at least the book's released. So the second the book went on sale and he could find a copy of it, he mm. took it home and wrote the script for it. Oh, and then was like, I am, I'm turning in this script and I want to direct this movie. So they said, okay, yeah, you've been around long enough. Let's do it. Okay. I was reading here. Um, he entered the Japanese film industry after, a brief stint as a painter. Mm-hmm. That, that makes a lot of sense when you think about his skills with framing. And yeah, how, how his compositions work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So good for that. Okay, so here he comes, and he's directing his first film on his own. There you are. 1943. Let's talk about this movie. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big fan of this film. Me too. I, I feel like right out of the gate, Akira's got his own style and skill on on display. He feels so fully formed. Yeah. Um, yeah pretty crazy. This is his first film. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I, I can, uh, even from this censored version, I can tell, you know, I think you've talked in the past about how he loved John Ford. And you can see mm. a, lot, a lot of his influence here. Um especially in the early on scenes, like especially when they, uh, the guys first uh, kind of jump the, 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 the judo, the judo master. Yeah. And he's just chucking them all into the water. Yeah. But the way, um, you know, that, that scene is shot where they, they kind of pan around the different characters and, and the different, um, it's almost like a shot, like a Western, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Corral kind of thing. Uh, which is, yeah. which is probably why it gets, hit with being like un-Japanese. Right. Right. <laughs> like you're, you're taking too much of the, the Western influence and putting it in movies when we should have our own identity. Right. And we're fighting these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. And, uh, you know, screen wipes are there right away. Yeah. George Lucas's favorite, uh, using, <laughs> using, uh, weather mm-hmm. to, uh, to essentially inform how characters are feeling. Yeah. Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell yeah, you what that fight scene at the end in the in the wind. Oof. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's he he had such a unique and fresh kind of approach to how he was filming and moving the camera and you know watching it. Other than the fact that you know it's a little little grainy and there's an occasional hair on the screen or something and. And it's black and white. You f- you forget that it's 1943. It feels maybe like late 50s or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was I was impressed. I I think any issues that I have with the film are maybe character related. Like I I didn't love Sanchiro as a character that much. I I think he he had good uh, progression and um, there are parts I I enjoyed of his character. But technically speaking, the film is great even with 17 minutes missing, there's maybe there would have been more character development or something. I feel like there's probably a jump or something that cut some of that. I don't know. 
Yeah, I I'd like to think that a lot of the text work in this was doing the heavy lifting for whatever got cut. Mm. But again, I that's just conjecture. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I'm trying to figure out how to word this because I don't think there's anything wrong with the film. If anything, it's maybe a sign of the time. So it's more questions that I have. Like mm-hmm. there was a lot of times where I grabbed my remote and like hit the mute button because I thought I it was muted. So <laughs> I was like hitting the mute button and they would start talking and there was no sound. And then I would unmute it and be like, Oh, okay. There was just literally no sound for X amount of time. I don't know if that's just a part of the 1940s or I think it's a lot of a Kurosawa using silence to help build tension. See, for me, it didn't build anything. It was just me panic. There was one scene notice notable for me where they were just sitting in chairs and it was silent. And then they just had started having a conversation. And I was <laughs> like, bro, why was it so silent? Like mm. sc- there's movies now with no score, but it's like, there's still like the chair making noise and stuff in the background. You know what I mean? Like there's something mm. there to make it right. not so weird. Mm. And when it's just literally something is legitimately quiet, it's weird. So yeah. those kind of things took me out the movie, but I really chalked it up to what was the 1940s, you know? So I, I don't know yeah. if that's a thing. I think um, oh, I'm trying to remember of the other like prominent Japanese director at the time who made a lot quieter films, the uh, more, oh, he did the one about the, the parents who went to live with their daughter. Uh, anyway, it, I think it might've been maybe a cultural thing too, to have a lot of, quiet not things happening mm-hmm. for a moment because mm-hmm. um, i feel like i've seen that in some other japanese films of the time and i guess it's supposed to make the audience think about what's about to happen or something like like paul said building tension in some way but i can see how you know also it could be like what the hell's wrong with my tv or my yeah, i mean <laughs> it's, this is 80 years later you know yeah. what i mean so it's yeah. also yeah. like how many films have you seen and you know, the 30 years I've been alive or like, that's not a thing. You right. know what I mean? So of course I'm going to be like, shit, the TV ain't working, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and I will say, you know, a lot of times I do not mind watching a movie, uh, a more modern movie with uh, ads. But for this, it was a bit jarring because all of a sudden you have a silent, quiet moment. And then it's like, bro, come on down to Kroger or something. Dude, <laughs> I've always said this about Plex. And um, Tubi's <laughs> like that, too. I don't really know too much about Pluto TV. But the ads are so loud that I just... I, I, you know, it gives you the countdown. Uh-huh. I'm like, okay, yep. muting. Because they are <laughs> insane with how loud they come in. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. But I just use it as a moment to look at my phone. Took my headphones off. And I was like, okay, just do that thing. I'll come back to this. But... um. Well, I don't even really yeah. mind the three, three and a half minutes. It's how loud the three and three <laughs> right, and a half right, minutes right. are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I uh, the the fight scenes were interesting. You know, there. I, I think you know we've come a long way with fight scenes, and even Kurosawa will in the next decade or so. But I think for judo and stuff, they're very well done. Uh, the last fight had some cutting. 
stuff where it was just like, okay, that looks... That was cut real bad. But I honestly thought the fight scenes were, like, insanely better than I thought mm. they were going to be for 1943. I'll, I'll tell you, the, the one where it's him and the girl's father. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. That shit was tense. <laughs> that That was tense. And that one... That one he had the you know he was swooping around too uh-huh, with the different yeah, angles yeah. and there's a lot of drama in, in the way he shot that and I thought that was yeah. really good. Um, I don't know how I feel about the motivations of the uh, Higaki character. Uh, <laughs> we must fight to the death, <laughs> but I, I you know he 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 had a presence I guess and uh, honestly I'm so used to that in Japanese films that yeah. I didn't even bat an eye at it to be honest yeah, with you like, that's true yeah, pretty th- much there's literally not a single Japanese martial arts film I feel like where somebody doesn't like I you'll have to kill me I won't lose this fight <laughs> right. right and I mean it, it's not like they don't set it up in in like that first fight with right? Yano where yeah. he's got the one guy down on the ground and he's like I don't want to lose I don't want to lose to you and live you better fucking kill me uh-huh. yeah that's true so a lot, a lot of honor. Yeah. I will say this. Um, and I really did enjoy this film, but I thought like the love s- story for Se- say, was it Sayo? Mm-hmm. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know if it's Sayo or Sayo. Yeah. Um, right. just didn't do anything for me. Like, okay, cool. You got I, like, he has a crush on her and you know what I mean? Like it was just, I didn't feel like it added anything to I, the, the story. I could have I I done without it. I think it does add something because it's, as Zach put in the opening, it's him trying to learn the humanity in the martial arts and him being this like cocksure fighter. And then suddenly he, he has these feelings for this woman and he doesn't want to hurt her when he fights her father, helps him to grow as a person and then without her he doesn't have the deep friendship with her father after their fight yeah i i think um i think the little interactions and the little flirtations up until he reveals who he is were well done i don't know they probably could have done more with it afterwards maybe uh but you know i know there's a part two to this film so yeah right And, and also Who's to say that there wasn't more of this right. in the 17 minutes that right. are cut? Like, true. It, it, well, it, so I think it, you, it's ex- hard. yeah. Sorry, I think you explain it better than I don't think Japanese filmmakers are very good when it comes to romance, anyways. And I think it's because of their um, society views, you know, not trying to act like, you know, I'm American and we treat women so much better, but. Right. They're weird over there, you know what I mean? So I feel like they're just not very good with romantic storylines ever. Um, they can get yeah. weird. So yeah, either I, that I just or... feel like maybe that's just that. Like Paul portrayed what he was trying to say much better than what he was actually able to give us through how that character was acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, you're absolutely right and – it could just be our perspective too that we think it's weird, but it was normal for for them um, as far as you know courtship and and you know you have to be very quiet and measured with how you express romantic intent or whatever intentions you have with a woman, especially around her father and stuff like that. Right. So a lot of patriarchal stuff. Yeah. 
And as I said on yesterday's episode, I just like to see two hot people together. So they're pretty hot. They're both 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 pretty sexy. So <laughs> just be hot together. That's mm-hmm. all I want. Yeah. Um, it's crazy that um, all these guys in the first film are in like the rest of his whole filmography. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he really yeah, we're gonna see a lot of by his guys. He 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 gets some company players and he just hangs yeah. out with them. That's what and they're is. all good. We haven't even gotten to him and to Shiro Tafume yet. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't really yeah. think I have any more nitpicks with the film. To be honest with you, I was pleasantly surprised on how good it was, and I I really in, I like the runtime. Yeah, runtime's nice. Like we got two real short films this week. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Not going to last. Mm. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> well, that's why I said I like that runtime because uh, we know when we get to some of these other films down down the road. Yeah, you know, I'm just glad that so many of those fucking films are masterpieces. You know, mm. like mm-hmm. Seven Samurai is close to three hours. I think it's close and, to four. I mean, yeah. And that was in the 50s, which mm. is, to me, sounds like it would be insanely long in the 50s. I don't know if... No, that that was almost par for the course in the fifties. Yeah, no, that mm. that's crazy. That's absolutely like, insane. Like I if, can't imagine almost every movie I watch is almost four hours long. Yeah, uh, they, like in the fifties, they were just like, you're either going to be a ninety minute comedy or you're going to be long as fuck. Yeah, and I I feel like you know, you, Paul, you kind of talked about it maybe way back on the Greatest Show on Earth episode where they just kind of what they had the movies just playing all day and you could go in and right yeah, yeah. you just you just paid like ten cents and you just walk into a movie and you walk yeah. into a movie whenever it was fucking playing <laughs> and you just sat down and you started watching it in the middle and then the movie would end and you'd watch the news and you'd watch a cartoon and you'd watch a short film and then the movie would start again and then. Or you could do, done some shopping in between, come back. Who knows? Yeah, I mean that's that's where the phrase "this is where I came in" comes from. Ah, this is this is a part of the movie that I walked into the theater. This is where I came in, mm. and then you walk out, or maybe you just watch the end of the movie again. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so weird watching a movie that way. Yeah, and that and was just piecing practice. it together. Yeah, and and that was just practice for how you watched movies mm-hmm. until Alfred Hitchcock was like. Uh, I got this movie, and I don't want people to see the ending before they see the beginning. So you got to come see this movie at a specific time. That movie's called Psycho, and yeah, well, Alfred Hitchcock started spoiler culture. That's crazy, <laughs> isn't it? Wild, that is yeah. So wild. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's nice. it for me. I don't have any more thoughts. Yeah, no, I, I, I felt like a. I liked the movie more as it went on. Like it just kept getting better for me. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I loved uh, the interactions with the characters. I, I love the message of, um, you know, finding humility and humanity when you're, you know, cocksure fighter and, <laughs> and his, uh, you know, Mr. And the monk and stuff, just calling him stupid. And like the way they, uh, Japanese yelling is so cool. Like, yeah. sounds so good. Jump into ponds and hang on to get in there. <laughs> Uh, a lot of wonderful, <laughs> wonderful visual imagery. Um, uh, there was, I didn't like the lighting at first early on, like that one scene where they jumped the master. It was really dark and it's kind of hard to see, but I know, you know, do the best you can with nighttime scenes. But uh, I thought it got better as it went on. A lot of right. good environments and 
you said that last scene where all the wind is whipping around. I was wearing headphones, so it was like one ear to the other whipping around me. Um, <laughs> you know, when he slides down. The... Were you like Shy- oh, yeah. Shy- Cheyenne Woodley when she saw a 4D movie? Oh, how was that? Have you seen this clip of her uh, no, describing a 4D movie that she, I can't remember? <laughs> oh, it was Avatar 2. Okay. And she was like, you know, I'm getting blasted up my ass and I'm blasted in the face. And uh, apparently she did not enjoy this 40. That doesn't years. sound enjoyable at all. No, no. That, okay. I know like, she, uh, you know, was an advocate for sun tanning your uh, privates. Uh, so I guess she just didn't like the air blasting up. Just like the air blasting up. Or water or whatever. Uh, <laughs> you know, I remember going to see those like 40 movies at Bush when I was a kid. Uh-huh. But those things were like 10 minutes long. You got sprayed a couple times. <laughs> Your chair would buzz a little bit. And then you were done. You, you right. didn't have to yeah, sit yeah. there for three hours just getting pelted <laughs> with water. <laughs> that sounds uncomfortable and possibly would give you pneumonia. <laughs> but yeah, pretty crazy that he had uh, stereo audio. Mm. Yeah. According to Zachary McCoy. Yeah. As, uh, it, as it appeared to me sounded oh and can i just say i love sichi suzuki's score in this oh yeah yeah this movie's for it oh, is yeah. like the 1940s score and i love it especially the intro yeah you know mm-hmm. it's just like wartime almost feels like yeah it is i'm curious to see if we continue to see sichi suzuki and cinematographer kira memora as we go on mm. oh, those are two names i'm gonna try to follow i dare you i dare um, you to follow them um, I'm a dog dog there. I'm not. I'm not going to spoil myself and look ahead. Those are. (laughs) I know it's tempting. It is. It's very tempting. I can see it in your face. (laughs) Mm, I'm I'm a tempted guy. I'm. I'm a guy who. I I like temptation. Thank. Thanks to my ADHD. Now I just fucking open IMDb and movie theaters. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, where do I know that person from? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't have anything to add. You know, I'm excited. To do uh, this filmography, it's off to a strong start. It's already got his um, his brand of a uh, vision. Yeah. It seems like, and see where we go from here. Oh, and you know what? We should uh, you know what we should keep track of as we go. How often do his films get remade? Oh, remade! Yeah, oh, yeah. Because okay. I want I want to track his influence as yeah, well. It was insane to see that this movie has been remade like three times. Five. Okay, five times. <laughs> Twice and on quickly. TV. They were getting remade over there. Crazy to think that I also read that they didn't even bring this over to the states until the eighties. Yeah, and you know, and and again, that's that's where a lot of this like once once film gets a little more globalized later on, like we start seeing these films come over a lot more. Mm-hmm. But these like this film could have just been lost until the eighties, right? Yeah. Like, it may not have just, like, there might have been posters that existed and people were looking for it and they found it in a basement somewhere. Like, you you hear that kind of shit all the time these days where they're just like, we were we were just going through films and, like, a, we found some film in a storage warehouse and so-and-so's, like, third film was finally found. Yeah. It's it's insane. It is. But, yeah, five, five times theatrically, twice for TV, this has been remade. Yeah. And its first remake, this movie came out in 1943. Its first remake was 1955. Once again, Zach, following a lot of that British influence, huh? Getting the the seven remakes that <laughs> British people like to do. <laughs> yeah. 
And, and you know, how many this times is... can we remake fucking Dickens movies constantly? We love Always. Charles Dickens. Let's remake everything. You know, and and this is the kind of thing where people are like, movies are nothing but remakes and sequels these days. Uh, here we are, in 19, 1943, a film that's been remade seven times and has a sequel that comes out two years later. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, those are just the official remakes. I'm, I feel like there's probably other films and stories that are influenced by this type of story. Right, Possibly. Right, right. But yeah, uh, that's something I want to try to keep track of. Okay, so five remakes on this one. Five, five remakes. Okay, well... Um, Let's do some worsty judgments. Trap. Yeah, boy. Where's this sitting on your Thurisawa readings? All right. So Thurisawa, new show, mm. finally covering. What, what? What is it? The next 30 weeks, 31 weeks, 32 weeks, somewhere in there? Yeah, somewhere around there. Pretty much going the rest of the year with this. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, this is sitting at uh, my number one. I gave it three stars. Um, I really did enjoy this film. Um, you know, just seeing... I just can't believe this is his first film. Like, we've covered Marty, and I don't really feel like Marty got into the groove until, like, film five or six for me personally. Mm-hmm. So, for him to come out batting what he's batting like you watch this you know who you know who fucking made this movie mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah that that really shows you how i just wish that we could have seen this guy make movies like 2010 and ford see what he could do with film now would mm. be insane absolutely insane absolutely so yeah three stars i really enjoyed this movie sitting at my number one Zach. Okay. Well, uh, sadly, I have it in last place, uh, but I gave it a strong four. So same as yesterday's show. Strong four. Very good four. Uh, And it's hard to say that it may have been higher if all the footage was there because I feel like there's some character development that's missing and maybe some story that could have been added. But... uh, I uh, overall extremely enjoyable blue by fast and like everything Trav said, I'm, I'm glad um, yeah, you, you watch this and you know who makes it just like Trav said. And, yeah. Sorry. My immature, my immaturity level, you know, I'm always blue blowing, by so. fast. Mm-hmm. So four stars, but in my last place, sadly basement dweller. How about you, Mr. Workman? Uh, so I got this in the middle of the pack at my number one. Uh, I gave this four and a half. I, I think this is, it's, it's kind of wild to me. I realized that he spent almost a decade backing other people up and learning the craft Mm -hmm. and took a couple swings at writing before he got this, but for him to just hit the ground running like this, he's He's doing everything, and he just mm. immediately feels like a character. Sawa, it doesn't. Yeah, there's no mistaking anything that's going on in here, and I think his theming is wonderful. I think his shot selection and his framing is just breathtaking. The man, like you said, the man was a painter, and yeah, it oh, really shows. Really shows how how he has. He just has an eye for visual arts. It's yeah, 
great. He's, and I, I forgot to mention, uh, you just said like he was doing everything, and we didn't really even talk about him as an editor on the film, too. Yeah. You know, writer, and, director, and editor. I mean, there's a, another editor as well, uh, Toshio Gato, but I feel like it's his touch. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, it, it, it feels it feels like he's already there. And there. knowing that he's yeah. only getting better after this is <laughs> wild to me. Yeah. Like the way that you could start like this and you're immediately already going to go up. And that that's, I think that's why I ranked it three because I know this is literally the beginning. So I'm like, dude, I can't give this thing a four, four and a half star ranking. And it's like, well, where do you go from there? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know where this is going to end up on my list, but mm -hmm. God, you know, I, I have this at four and a half and I almost guarantee you it's ending up in the bottom half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just because I spent so much time in high school watching his fucking movies. I've mm -hmm. I love this man. So I'm excited. I'm excited to go from here. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to call it there. Grab, let people know where they can find you on media social. Of course, I'm on the Instagram, ZK Audio. I'm on the Twitter and the TikToks, T-R-A-V-I-O-S-C-K, where I'm also on the Letterboxd, ranking and rating my daily movie watches. And finally, I got to watch the three-hour and nine-minute director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven this week. <laughs> and holy shit, nobody does epics like fucking Sir Ridley Scott. I don't care mm -hmm. what anybody says. Nobody makes epics like Ridley Scott, dude. He's the fucking best. God, he's so fucking good. That director's cut is... I've never seen the original because I've always heard stay away from it. Mm -hmm. And, dude, I got to read yeah. a quote where they tested this version with test audiences. The studio didn't like the reception, so they made him cut out 45 minutes or whatever. And... Oh. Ridley Scott was like, I don't need no fucking test audience. When you got a director who knows what they're doing, the, yeah. they know what the audience wants. The audience don't know what they want. You know, some fucking yeah. Ridley Scott answer that he fucking gives. And I'm like, this guy's yeah. the best. And then I got sad because I know he's fucking in his 80s. And I'm like, how many more, how many more films is Ridley Scott going to give me before yeah. he passes? And I get sad every time. But yeah, 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 with, yeah. With the, really with good. The rate of, with the rate of celebrity deaths in the last few years, just like anybody who's over 75 just feels like they're on the chopping block almost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm Marty, I feel the same way. It's like, yeah, ah, yeah. Kingdom of Heaven, that director's cut is great. I never yeah. saw the original either. I avoided it for the same reasons. I, I went and saw the original in the theater. <laughs> with Leanne when oh. when we were still like a new newish couple uh -huh. and the two of us walked out of that like that might be one of Ridley Scott's worst films and it's crazy because I don't, I don't want to fucking talk 10 minutes on this film or anything but you you can read on the Wikipedia like what was cut out and yeah. what was and like the original version that was cut and the shit that they would cut is why would you cut this stuff like at the beginning when he um kills his half brother or whatever the priest dude that stole his mm -hmm. wife's necklace like that's not in the theatrical version so it's yeah like, you're saying 
That's you a huge that right fucking now? plot point that's like gone from yeah, the story. You, you say that right now, and I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know what, what, what you're talking, talking about. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, well, when they show up, I guess do they show up and because he's wanted for murder, so they show up and they get in this huge fight. Is that gone from the original film too? Like most likely. I, honestly, I don't yeah. remember too much of that movie because just I absolutely haven't. insane. Like. They do this to Ridley Scott all the time. I don't know. All why. the time. Yep. Just fuck with his movies and it's weird. Like, yeah. Mar- has Marty ever had to make a director's cut? I've never th- seen a director's cut with Scorsese. No. I, I don't think so, but we we had an episode where we talked about it where he was like, he he would fight the studio to at least, he's like, I'm not going to re I'm not going to recut it. I'm going to put out what I want to put out, but he's had some battles that took a while. <laughs> well, I'm glad that, yeah. you know. He's more persistent than Ridley Scott, which sounds crazy because if you've ever seen Ridley Scott have a conversation with somebody, he's an intense man. So (laughs) he's got the eyes. (laughs) Uh, But that's it for me. Zach, where can people find you? Uh, On Critiker, Zach Master, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R, TikTok, House Havoc, and Letterboxd by searching my name, Mr. Workman. Uh, You can find me at SharkDressMen on Mm. TikTok, where Joseph Tappy and I are... Covering all sorts of shark-related content, you can follow me at Father of the Fear on Twitter and Letterboxd, where I keep a running tally of all the films that I watch. And just today, I finally got to see Air. Yes, finally. And I'm so happy I finally got to see it. This movie is great. How fucking good is Chris Tucker in this film? How fucking good is Chris Tucker in this film? Oh my you know god, he's so good in this film. And for the one scene he gets, Marlon Wayans is great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like Marlon Wayans, I don't know why he doesn't get cast in more serious roles. He's always good. Same with Anthony Anthony Anderson. Why isn't Anthony yes. Anderson in more dramas? Because he's actually legitimately really good. He is a very good actor. Yeah. And it, but oh man, Viola Davis. <laughs> She's so good. She just doesn't miss. She's like she gets a couple of scenes in this movie and every time she's on screen, she's just like, Nope, this movie's mine now. Oh yeah. 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 She's a force. Dude, I'm taking this whole thing. I'll see you later. <laughs> and I don't, oh. I don't really know anything about MJ's mom. So I don't know if she's a force of a woman herself, but she is now. <laughs> and it's all thanks <laughs> to Viola Davis. Yeah. Because she commands mm. the scene when she's like, on. And Jason Bateman is really good in this too. Jason Bateman's, so excellent in this film. He yeah. just gets a he Dude. he's in it a lot, but he gets a couple of scenes where he just gets to flex. Yeah. And yeah. I'm so happy they gave them to him. Man, the the scene about always showing up with the shoes for his daughter. So good. So good. God, that got me. Yeah. Mm. And Ben Affleck, of course, is that well, I've only been saying this every single week for my whole life. How fucking phenomenal Ben Affleck is. And I really wish people would stop hating on this man because he's so yeah. fucking good. Because the problem was like he got too big too fast and then was in a series of questionable films that weren't his fault. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, he signed on to do the movie. I mean, he signed on to do the movie, but that, you know, things he, change quickly and you're in a contract and, and you're right, just right, stuck right. in a shitty movie. Well, I'm more so talking about Geely or Giggly or whatever the fuck that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's just always a bad idea to do a movie with your love interest at the time in real life, you know? Yeah. I mean? like, but like, <laughs> unless but like, you're secret lovers, like 
Right. Like aforementioned in the other episode, uh, Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy. Mm-hmm. You know, oh. and, I mean, he's always good in Kevin Smith movies. Mm-hmm. I think he's great in Jersey Girl. Absolutely great. That uh, movie gets way more hate than it deserves. It's a he's really great in that Dunkin' movie. Donuts commercial. Great in that Dunkin' Dude, he's Donuts. He's so good in the Dunkin' Donuts commercial. <laughs> and uh, as a writer and as a director, he is uh, his filmography is impeccable. Mm-hmm. For he, sure. I don't think he's written a bad movie. I don't think he's directed a bad movie. In fact, I would say that all the movies he's directed are B plus and better. He is mm. such a good director. And the fact that the studios railroaded him out of fucking Batman will forever piss me off. Like, I can't tell railroaded. you how. <laughs> yeah. I can't tell you how excited I was when it was announced that he was going to direct the Batman. Cause I was like, gone, baby, gone. The town mm, uh, God, the and fucking Argo. So all three of those were phenomenal. And all three of those, I think, contained separate elements that showed exactly how good he could be at directing a Batman movie. Mm-hmm. And then studio politics got in the way. And apparently he was just like, I I can't keep working like this. I can't keep yeah. working for these people. Yeah. <laughs> if you left. listen if you listen to our podcast. You'll know. It seems like every week we're dogging on Warner Brothers for consistently making bad decisions. And, and a- another bad one, bro. Like, damn, you had Ben Affleck as Batman and you fucking fumbled it. You you had him you had him as Batman and you had him interested in making a Batman movie for you. Because you know who directs Ben Affleck better than anybody? Fucking Ben, ben Affleck. Affleck. For yeah. sure. He's so good in the town and he's so good in Argo and he's phenomenal as as, uh, Philip Knight in this film, who uh, of course is the father Travis Knight who runs uh, Leica. Leica. Oh, I'd forgotten uh, that. The stop motion animation. Yeah. Philip Knight bought Leica for his son. That is crazy. Who who would go on to direct Kubo the two strings. The pictures of him in the office at the mm-hmm. end of the movie where it's like, Oh man, Ben Affleck, you, you look at it and you're like, Oh, Ben Affleck nailed that role. Cause that guy is definitely not your regular dude. No. So. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a reason that guy stayed in Oregon. Cause he is Oregonian to, the, to his core. <laughs> that guy is so West coast. I look forward to seeing that. Dude. Yeah. It's on prime video. Right it's on now. prime. And it's, nice. It's free. Yeah. Watch. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, I I highly recommend it, and it it's one of those like corporate procedural films, kind of like Moneyball. <laughs> and if I'm comparing something to Moneyball, you know I like it. Mm. Moneyball is one of my favorite movies. There you go. So, so I mean, so long story short, I really want to go see Blackberry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So, thank. Yeah. What are we watching next week? Next week. We're watching a film that's uh, it's kind of described as a semi-documentary uh, propaganda war film called The Most Beautiful. Oh, that should be interesting. It's in 1944. And it's free on Plex and also available on Amazon. Excellent. Yes. All right. Well, with that, hey, Trav, thank you so much for producing our show. Yeah. You're the man. The but man. he's not all the only one. I thank the legend. Mm-hmm.
Uh, we'd like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We'd like to thank Megan and Jay Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at OscarSupod and on Facebook, the OscarSupod Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Leave a nice five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. It really helps us be seen in the almighty algorithm. Oh, algorithm. Five stars, please. Give us a review. It'll be fun. So, for Zach and Trav and oh, I shut it down. Why did I do that? And Yokiko Todoroki, we'd like for you all to have a damn fun day. <laughs>